Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers. As always, my name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News and this podcast. And today, wow, oh, wow, is there a lot to cover? The trade deadline came and went, and the Pacers did kind of make a move yesterday, but it wasn't a trade. And TJ Warren's injury update and his return timeline were officially released by the team. So that is a lot to get into, and we'll have lots of rippling effects that we will talk to on subsequent podcasts today is about what went on during the trade deadline and what's up with the Warren injury. But first, it's game day. And I know that everybody wants to hear about Warren and the move the Pacers made, but I want to start with the games because, like I said on Wednesday before the trade deadline, the games are why all this stuff matters. Let's cover that first. Pacers-Mavs tonight in Dallas. The Dallas Mavericks did make a trade. They sent out James Johnson and um, Wes Wundu for J.J. Redick. So they might have some dudes on the pine just due to natural trade stuff. That kind of changes the dynamic of this game a little bit, uh, though not a ton. Uh, Wundu and James Johnson were not like big rotation dudes for the Mavs. Wundu was playing a bit recently, but... Uh, James Johnson was not really in their rotation this year. But anyway, the Mavs are pretty good. The Mavs are 10th in offense and 23rd in defense, 10th in net rating. Um, They are 7th in the West, but really they had COVID ravage the middle of their season, and KP Porzingis was injured for a lot of their season. Since the start of February, uh, the Mavs have been killing it. I don't I'm going to try to get their exact record. So they were they were 8 and 4 in February and 7 and 3 in March. So they are 15 and 7 since the start of February, right? So since they kind of got through their COVID team outbreak and KP came back, they've really rounded into form and shown that they are a pretty good basketball team. Uh, and I wanted to draw back. The Pacers played the Mavs in January. Uh, to that game to see, okay, what can the Pacers do better? How can they beat the Mavs in Dallas this time? Obviously, Luka's going to be a threat, but what went wrong? So Let's start with the Luka thing before I talk about why that first game might not be a good barometer. Luka destroyed the Pacers, and he doesn't. It does, he didn't destroy them in the way Luka typically destroys. He only had 13 points. If, the, if he has 13 points again, I would wager that the Pacers win. Um, Luka averages 29, 9 assists, 8 rebounds. He had 12 rebounds and 12 assists, and that's where he did most of his damage was not scoring, but in other facets of the game because the Pacers were doing the thing they always do. When the teams have basically one dominant ball handler and no other awesome ball handlers, they just rush the F out of that dude. And they did that with Luka, and he tore them up with his passes. He found Porzingis rolling down the lane, and he found Tim Hardaway on back cuts and Josh Green and all these other guys who played. And the reason I think some of that game was funky, um, the the scheme has improved. They're better at the blitzing thing since then. Blitzing's the wrong word, the trapping and aggressive. But... That was right after the depot trade. That was the second game after the trade became official. Jeremy Lamb returned for the first time this season this game, right? So Justin Holiday was out of rotation a lot on defense. Uh, you know, he couldn't come over and stop Porzingis on the roll. That's very atypical of him to be out of position, right? He's a great team defender. I think that was because he was kind of thrust into a new role in the starters. I think it was his second game as a starter. Sumner even started. And remember, Sumner wasn't in the rotation back then. Like, this is how in disarray the team was at the time. Uh, so that's one factor, Justin Holiday. I, I remember distinctly thinking, like, wow, Justin's having an uncharacteristically bad defensive game. The other thing, Miles Turner was hurt back then. Remember, he got hurt in that Portland game uh, and then missed the Clippers and Mavs games. So they didn't. They had Sabonis but no Turner, right? So that hurts their defense as well. Adam talked last week about how, you know, the game's Turner's out. You really learn about his value. This Mavs game was another example of that. So 
while they think their coverage of Luka can improve, right? You got to know when to trap. They're getting better at that kind of stuff and when to be aggressive and when not to be. Um, they're getting worse at tagging rollers. Uh, Karras is not very good at that since his inclusion. But, you know, they're improving in the in the Bjorkren scheme. So I think they'll do better defending Luka, but probably a little worse against the other guys. And Luka's going to have more than 13 points. But it's tough for me to take a lot from that first game because of all that stuff. Sounds like Turner's going to be back. You know, he played Wednesday. He loves playing in, in his hometown. And, you know, they've got their starters sorted out with Karras in there now. Uh, so that game's a little hard to draw from, but Sabonis had a nice game. I want to, I do want to draw from him a little because the Mavs center rotation is fine, uh, but not awesome. I think that, you know, th- this is typically something I fall on when I want to talk about uh, where the Pacers can get an advantage. And the Pacers, they didn't do awesome against with this against Detroit, but recently they've been getting better at their post-ups, aren't as long and dribble-heavy when Sabonis gets the ball inside. He's been quicker about, you know, getting rid of it or shooting or whatever he does. He makes the decision quicker. The Mavs have okay centers. Maxi Kleba and Dwight Powell are both healthy now. I don't think either of them were healthy when these guys played. A while ago, they had uh, Porzingis and Willie Cauley-Stein as the centers. So they have better centers, but still not awesome for Sabonis' defense. They'll do a good job. They're good players. But you know, I think Sabonis can still open some stuff up. Uh, Rick Carlisle is very smart, though. It's going to be hard to use some of the standard stuff. The Pacers are going to have to get creative with their driving kicks. It's going to be one of those games to me uh, where, and this is something that Nate Bjorkren says he tracks during games and his assistant coach tracks. He calls them paint touches when the guy handling the ball gets into the lane gets his feet in the lane it makes the defense panic or react a little bit and then they can pass or they're close enough to shoot you know it it adds a lot of value to your offensive possession if you can get those paint touches I think that against the Mavs who are definitely more offense heavy than defense heavy getting those paint touches being able to score hit your threes uh, will be really key in this game so a lot of good like whoever Tim Hardaway is matched up with between Karras and Brogdon uh, that player needs to be frequently driving, frequently manning the ball, handling duties in the pick and roll. And Brogdon can roam well off ball. He played pretty well. He had 26 when the Pacers played the Mavs back in January. So that's one key, I think. Get those paint touches, make the defense move. Porzingis is not a necessarily awesome defender as well. And cleaning up some of those defensive coverage on the blitzes on Luka because they were in it until the end, right? I think they were winning in the second half at one point during this game. Yeah, actually they were winning in the fourth quarter, right? At the beginning of the fourth, the Pacers were winning. They ended up losing by 12. Um, but they, they definitely can beat the Mavs. It's just Luka is so good uh, that it's really hard to win, especially in Dallas. That He's just such a talented player. Like They have the easiest schedule the rest of the way the Mavs do. If you I, I like Betting on Luka to win MVP does not seem like a crazy thing. I don't think he will, but he definitely could get himself into that conversation. He's that good, and I think the Mavs win because they have Luka and he's so good. But remember last year. The Pacers lost to the Mavs at home, and Porzingis was amazing, right? I think he had 30-something that game. And then they won, Pacers won in Dallas, and Porzingis was terrible, and Vic carried them in the end. Well, this season in Indy, Porzingis was amazing. He shot 12 for 15 from the field. He had 13 rebounds, 27 points. He was probably the best player in that game. Maybe this happens again where if Porzingis just has an off night, and he is not a guy who's shy about shooting even when he's off. He'll try to shoot through it. If he's off a little bit, you know, Luka and Tim Hardaway and Trey Burke and – um, Jalen Brunson will have to carry a little bit bigger load. That's harder for them. Maybe the Pacers can get another win in Dallas. They did it last year. I think it's very possible they got to focus on those paint touches and clean up those defensive rotations that plagued them last time. But I think they can win. You know, I'd probably put it the odds about what I'd said against the Heat, you know, 40%, 35% to win. But I do think that the Mavs are more likely to win if I had to pick. But most people want to hear me talk about not that game. So let's move on. 
uh, and talk about. First, we'll do, I think the the, the Q move is a little bit more prevalent because it kind of bleeds into the second thing. So the Pacers waived Jalen the Q uh, right after the trade deadline, and they made no moves. Well, I'll kind of talk about this as, as one thing. So let's talk about that. But first, one little break. Going to talk about the awesome people over at BetOnline.ag where you could bet on Luka Doncic for MVP if you really wanted. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college, basketball, NHL, all in full swing. And BetOnline even has TV shows, reality TV, and award shows. You know it by now. They've got real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. And they've got you covered for new scores and odds across your favorite sports. Best way to place your bets. It's free to sign up betonline.ag head over to that website or use your mobile device you can sign up today if you use the promo code locked on all one word when you do so you'll get a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit that's betonline.ag promo code locked on betonline your online sportsbook experts all righty first move the pacers made trade deadline day they didn't trade anybody um they waived jail in the queue i actually was going to talk about that move but i'm going to talk about them not trading anybody first um, the most likely guys to me to get traded going into the day, I think I talked about this Wednesday, and we talked about it in our locker room session, were Aaron Holiday and Doug McDermott. Um, Aaron more so than McDermott. And then they had McDermott available after practice at like 1.15, so about two hours before the trade deadline. McDermott said, so something the Pacers do typically is when their players are in trade talks, the front office will tell said player. You know, they'll be very transparent about that. Uh, some of the players like Miles Turner mentioned it. Uh, when he was in the Hayward trade talks that the front office told him about that he didn't ultimately get moved. McDermott said he had heard nothing from the front office, right? Uh, so he, you know, and then he said he likes Indiana uh, and stuff like that, and he didn't get moved. Um, so who knows how deep into any talks they got. You know, Holiday is a tough value at this point given his down season. So they didn't make any moves. Um, that's not surprising if you've heard us cover it all here. They kind of want to evaluate what they have with this group. They've got enough guys expiring this summer and they have upped the trade value of many of their key guys that if they want to make a ton of different directional changes in the offseason after a full season of evaluation under Bjorkren, hopefully a playoff series, uh, which I'll get to that in a second, and, other, and some other stuff, it makes some, you know, seeing more of the center duo together, uh, seeing how Karras can grow with a lot of this roster, right? They want to learn all that as the season goes along. And I would have said grow with Warren as well, but again, we'll get to that at the end. So I think it, there's value in standing pat. There is a time to cash in with the, with the core they have. Probably, next year's probably close to it. Brogdon will only have two years left. So this summer might be close to that time, but I would not have gone for anything crazy at this deadline myself. Like I said, I think I thought the most minor thing they could have done is like a second round pick kind of trade. Guys who went for seconds were like Brad Wanamaker from the Warriors and um, I can't even remember some of them. I mean, it was a very, very tame trade deadline in general. So um, they didn't do anything. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think this summer we'll see, and if they have an awesome playoffs, maybe not, but I think this summer we'll see more roster shakeup. You know, they, they went for the year of continuity. We'll see how it leads to and stuff like that. But they made no moves. Basically an hour after the deadline, we get it from Shams. We hear from the team. They did do something. They waived Jalen LeCue. Uh, Jalen LeCue... Uh, you might not even know him if you if if you're tuning in and you don't know much about the Pacers. You might not even know who Jalen Q is. They traded T.J. Lee for him in a salary dump uh, in the off season. He just is a minimum contract that they could have. He's played in four games for 12 minutes this season. He was one for nine from the field and had five points and five rebounds in 12 minutes. Um, he was not very good in the G League bubble either. He, you know, was often outplayed by some of the bench guards. He's just not right now you know he could grow he's only 20 he didn't go to college he could grow into an NBA player he's not one right now so 
Lequeux was waived 100% for a roster spot because his contract's guaranteed. There's no money savings for the Pacers here. So Lequeux was waived 100% for a roster spot, which is interesting. They valued that they could have saved $700,000 and gotten a roster spot by waving Keelan Martin about a month ago, a little over a month ago. They didn't do it. So, you know, they clearly value Martin somewhat more than Lequeux, um, but they wanted the roster spot now. And now they can do two things. They could either convert a two-way guy to a full contract, which would be stupid because this year the way the two-way contract rules are is they're eligible for the playoffs anyway. So Cassius and Bowen, it makes little sense to convert them. They can't sign another two-way guy at this stage of the season anyway. In a normal season, that would make a lot of sense to me. It is not this season. The other thing they can do now is since they have a roster spot, they can be players in the buyout market, right? They have a spot to bring someone in. Uh, in theory, they can offer a few rotation minutes at the power forward spot. Uh, maybe not a lot. Uh, like Lamb would have to sacrifice a few minutes. Karras might even have to sacrifice a few minutes. If not Karras, then Sumner, but Sumner's playing awesome too, right? It's hard to sneak in those minutes. Maybe some of Sabonis' minutes. That's a big one too. Some, the, some combo of those three guys, uh, if they could bring in a big forward, they could use, uh, they could get a guy on the bio market to do that. I think that's probably the biggest allure to the front office of waving Lequeux is having a roster spot to do that. Who's going to be available on the bio market? It's kind of too early to say. A lot of the bio guys that have already happened, uh, Drummond, it, I don't know if that's officially happened yet, but it's going to. Lamarcus Aldridge has already happened. Um, Blake Griffin's already happened. Those kind of guys, they know where they're going before it even happens. But a lot of the other buyout guys happen like right – so the deadline is April 9th where if you get bought out, you can play in the playoffs for another team. That's not true for – you know, you can get bought out after that. You just can't play in the postseason. But that's effectively the buyout deadline, and teams right before then decide, okay, we can save some money. We're out of the hunt. Let's let's buy out some guys, right? So maybe you'll know more then, but it's really hard to, to say what the buyout market could look like. Wayne Ellington could get bought out from the Pistons, for example. They didn't end up trading him today. A lot of guys on the Magic could get bought out. A popular name I've heard um, people in my mentions on Twitter talk about is Otto Porter. The Magic got Otto Porter in a trade today. Uh, they sent away Nikola Vucevic as part of that deal. Uh, they could end up buying him out. They want to be awful. You know, who knows what will happen for other teams. Right? A lot of guys could become available. Maybe Mo Harkless, he got traded today uh, to the Kings. You know, there, There's a million guys. Not a million. There's not, you know what I'm saying. There's a lot of guys that it could end up happening to. So it's hard to say who the Pacers will get if they even get someone on the bio market. But that's that's probably what the next move will be is in the next two weeks, right? About the ninth, because the ninth is in about two weeks. You'll see somebody get bought out, and it makes some sense for the for the Pacers who can offer. They didn't use their mid level exception this past summer, so they will be able to offer a little bit more money than their teams. They won't be able to offer a big role at all. In fact, the, the role they can offer is probably pretty small. Probably about. Remember, uh, remember Trevor Booker when he signed as a buyout guy with the Pacers in 2017-18. He had a really tiny role. That's probably about what I'm thinking if someone signs with the Pacers as a buyout guy. This time, Trevor Booker ended up playing 15.8 minutes a game, which actually is higher than I expected. Um, 15.8 minutes a game that season after joining the team. So right before the buyout stuff, their backup power forward, I think Alex Poitras was getting some of those minutes since this team, that, that 2017-18 Pacers team, had some injuries. Uh, their bench was, oh, they already had, man, I was trying to find a good game example to figure out really what was their rotation was around that, that time, but I picked a game with Booker in it. Um, their second unit, yeah, they had like Joe Young playing and GR3 was playing a bunch of minutes. They didn't really have the four enforcer they needed. They got Booker in. He stole a few minutes from you know GR3 and some of the starters, and it worked out. 
So maybe something like that could happen again, but it, it all depends on who gets bought out, who doesn't fit with their new team, stuff like that. And we'll find out more of that over the next two weeks. But that's why they did it. And another factor in why the Pacers waived Jalen Q to open this roster spot is they might need a forward depth because TJ Warren's not coming back this year. Hi, Future Tony here. Since I finished this segment, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN has announced that the Pacers are signing O'Shea Brissett to a 10-day contract using the spot created by waving Jalen the Q. He supplies some nice forward depth for the team for at least the next 10 days. It could be more. They could add him to another 10-day or sign him for the rest of the season afterwards. He played for Nate Bjorkman with the Raptors on a two-way last year. He was the Mad Ant's best player this year. He was second-team all-G league in the bubble, so he will supply at least some short-term depth with Warren out. Now let's talk about TJ Warren's injury. Uh, let's talk about that. That's the big news out of Pacerland today, but first, got to talk to you guys about Bill Barr. I do it all the time the best tasting protein bars on the market low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber amazing tasting protein bars 100 covered in chocolate they're delicious you've all heard that from me a million times i'm not going to read off the ad for a second i'm going to tell you a story josh lloyd you might know him he is the host of locked on nba and locked on fantasy basketball if you've heard either of those podcasts you know josh is australian he lives in australia his podcast is awesome because of his accent he messaged the locked on nba group chat asking if someone could ship him could buy built bars for him and ship them to him because him and his family love them so much and they want them, but they can't buy them directly in Australia. He wanted us to buy them for him and ship them to him. That's how good they are, all right? People are, are black market, shit, not really black market, but people want them back channel shipped to other continents. They're that good. They're doing Built Bar Madness right now to determine the best flavor. They're about to get to the Elite Eight. You can go vote on the Built Bar website to do that. Uh, the matchup going on today is birthday cake versus cookie dough chunk. They're both ridiculous. The birthday cake with sprinkles is so good. Um, if you go to builtbar.com and check out with the code LOCKED15, all one word, you'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15. 15% off your next order at builtbar.com. So, yeah, just brutal news today. Right after the trade deadline, that seems intentional, which is brutal for the Pacers. 6 p.m., TJ Warren announced he is out for the remainder of the 2020-21 season after the surgery to repair the navicular stress fracture in his foot. Um, those injuries take a long time, right? It's a low blood flow area. We've heard about how long they take. Kevin, or maybe not Kevin Durant. Bull Bull had one. It took t- took him out of his basically his entire college season, right? It's it's They're tough. So it's not surprising. We got from the star that uh, Warren might come back like May or the playoffs, but Seems like the Pacers said, no, you know what? He's not coming back this season. So no TJ Warren. That might be a factor, again, like I just said, in this LeCue waiver because they might need a forward depth now that they're not going to get him back. Uh, so that sucks. That's truly awful. Um, they can't. The Pacers cannot get a disabled player exception for him. The deadline for that was early, way earlier this month, which makes me think this was, you know, while I do think them releasing that info after the trade deadline is a bit calculated, um, I, I don't think they knew that he would be out for the season until pretty recently because, again, they could have applied for that disabled player exception. Um, we can ask Bjorkman about that. We didn't we The media didn't find out until after the practice availability for the team yesterday, so we'll find out more information on that tomorrow. Warren's still in a walking boot or maybe just got it off, but uh, has been in a walking boot uh, as recently as like a week ago. So uh, it seems like he's still a bit off. It, it's not like so surprising to me that he's out for the season, but you know there were a lot of indicators from Bjorkman saying it's a this-year thing and uh, them not applying for that disabled player exception that made me think that he would not he would return this season. I thought maybe he would return this season, but now he's not going to. So that's obviously a huge blow for the Pacers. So thinking about how it affects them this season is kind of tough because they've been chugging along without him and the expectations they wouldn't have him for a month 
for a while now, um, or over a month from now, for a while now. So their regular season game plan is pretty similar to what it would have been anyway. Uh, just roll along, integrate Karras, see what they've got with this roster. Justin Holiday and McDermott are going to have to step up. If one of them gets hurt, that Lequeux waiver becomes infinitesimally more important to get another forward in the door. But uh, the, the, the to me, the biggest... Uh, pitfall of this Warren thing is a lot of we've, what we've talked about is like, okay, this team gets healthy at the right time. They peak going into the playoffs. Maybe they're in the f- four or five. They can win around. You know, they'll be good if Warren comes back. That is way less likely now. Their playoff peak is a lot lower than it was considered to be as recently as yesterday without Warren. I remember before the season, I was predicting Warren would be the best player on this team. Right? He was that good last year at times that the flashes were there, that he could be, you know, this awesome score with Bjorkren, and he was for the five games he was healthy this year, and his defense got a lot better. So the thought was that, you know, he's going to be really helpful for this team. We won't get to see him with Karras, and now we won't, you know, we won't get to see this team at their peak. The odds they become that pesky playoff team in the 5-4 and maybe steal around, much less likely. And the fact that and the, the, their odds of upsetting one of the three Titans in the East is is so low now with no warning. So that's obviously a huge bummer. Um, He becomes extension eligible in the offseason. Maybe the Pacers consider that because... His price might go down because of this injury. Who knows what's going to happen. It's hard to think of the long-term effects immediately, but they waived somebody on the same day, so maybe they're considering trying to figure out how to replace that spot. I don't know really what the front office is thinking there. It should be very fascinating. Um, But I talk about the playoffs. I want to talk about the regular season a little bit because there were, you know, this is unrelated to Warren. I just wanted to sneak this into today's show. Some trade deadline impacts on the Pacers. I always think that's interesting to talk about. We'll probably go more in-depth on this Monday. Um, but the Bulls, who were one game behind the Pacers in the standings, got better. They got Vucevic and Alfaruk Aminu from the Magic. And the Raptors, who are the team in 11th, two spots behind the Pacers in the standings, are got worse. They traded away Norm Powell and a couple other rotation guys today. So, making the play-in is like the Pacers could walk into it. They don't have to try that hard to make the play-in tournament now because the 11th seed is not trying. They, they're giving, they gave away good players today. So the Raptors are probably not going to be a threat. I mean, they could be, they got Gary Trent. He's good. Uh, they're not totally screwed, but they're, they got worse. And so who, who knows if they're even able to sneak back into the conversation, but uh, getting into the plan should not be that hard anymore, but the team right behind them got better. So the heat got better. Uh, the heat got Oladipo for Kelly Olenek, Avery Bradley and a pick swap. Uh, so Kevin Pritchard getting Carousel Vert looks very good right now. Um, but the Heat got a little better. The Bulls got much better by getting Vucevic. None of the other teams, 4-10 to 10 in the East, did anything that interesting besides those two. You know, Lou Williams went to the Hawks for Rondo. That's a little bit of an upgrade for them, I guess. Um, the Hornets got Brad Wanamaker. I guess that'll help with LaMelo Bala. But nothing, nothing crazy. Uh, so, those, you know, the, the, I think the... The Bulls and the Heat are the interesting ones there. So maybe the Pacers getting really high in the East got harder. You know, catching to the Heat, who might get LaMarcus Aldridge soon will be hard. Um, and staying ahead of the Bulls might be hard. They got another All-Star in. But they're going to get in the playoffs for sure, even without Warren, it seems like, just because of what the Raptors did. So that's the that's just some thoughts I had about how the deadline moves affect the Pacers, even though they didn't do anything. But we'll go more in-depth on that on Monday, uh, especially when some more of this stuff becomes fully clear over the next few days. But yeah, pretty wild day. For the Pacers, uh, between the Q and Warren and stuff they could potentially do and all the trades happening, and they have a game tonight. They they can compete with the Mavs. It'll be fun to watch. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we'll cover all the, the deadline action and the Pacers making a move 
uh, with Lequeux and their open roster spot on Monday. We'll go more in-depth on that and maybe come up with a more specific list of buyout guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy your weekend, and we will see you on Monday.